Don't forget tomorrow. Silly underdog picks. We'll review. We'll make our picks. Weekly winners. Pair of tickets to an upcoming sporting event here in town or a concert. You can go to thegamenashville.com or ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app and play along with us. You get three picks out there. We only get one. Darren and I have to find a good one. We need about you eight. You guys are. We need about eight. You guys need, yeah. You guys we need something. Struggling. Struggle bus. Of course, uh, Silly Underdog picks every week and every year. We really appreciate this. Sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. And we do appreciate them being on board yet again. Had some really interesting phone calls here in the last segment. Bringing up some really tough questions to answer. Yeah. Good questions that are really tough to answer. Well, okay, so the, this is a question I want to throw at you guys. And this is the one that I don't necessarily want to ask, but I'm going to because he's in a contract year. Would you be shocked? I'm not asking if you think it will happen. I'm just asking, would you be shocked if Marcus, at the at the end of the season, pulls a Andrew Luck or Jake Locker and says, you know what? I'm good. I'm yes, not going to I'm not going to go and, and because the Titans have decided they're you know, it's looking like they might move on. And he's like, I'm good. I'm going to walk away. I would be shocked. Unless there is some injury that takes place between now and then that has his long-term outlook affected. Like the Another nerve, elbow but he's injury. Had, but he's had something. injuries. So, I mean, that, that's why I'm asking this question. Because he he's does, battled injuries throughout his career. I, I get no indication from him that that he wants to stop playing. I, I mean, look, at some point, do I... I I would agree. I think an injury does change that that tone. But I mean if it's just gonna be like this the rest of the year, then no. He's not. Uh, he's he's gonna make some money but, in this yeah. league somewhere. If there's another horrific injury whether it's here or somewhere else. Could he say, I'm done with this, I'm done dealing with this stuff? Sure. I mean there's still a long ways to go. There's twelve games left. So Right. And truthfully, if I'm just you know, if you're asking me to make a decision right now, based upon how he's playing, even though I think he's he's got a higher you know, caliber he could go, he could play better. The Titans probably resign him. They probably are like, all right, we're good with this. We're we're all, good with nine and seven. What, what, said, what do you pay him? Well, see, that's that's where I think it is the mm. question. That's where the rubber would meet the road in that scenario, because he has to be a bargain. He has to be a guy that you're getting at a rate to where you have extra room in your What's salary. What's a bargain cap. in today's game? That I, I'm not enough of an expert in the cap to be able to do that but i i would try to squeeze him i would try to say you want to be a no starter way you can get 30 or million. 30 million or more there's or no do you way. tag do you tag him and buy yourself a year that's a tough one too but that's 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 a way high number yeah What's yeah i number? wouldn't want to do I that i wouldn't do that i really want to the, the kurt cousins deal yeah i wouldn't want that let's go to nick sus we've always okay. enjoyed our conversations with him covers Ole miss for the clarion ledger nick how you doing i'm doing pretty well thanks for having me on y'all before we talk about vanderbilt's opponent on Saturday night down there in Oxford. You know we've talked to you about the first two picks of the Titans uh, the last couple times we've talked to you, and Jeffrey Simmons, of course, has not touched the field, but A.J. Brown certainly has touched the field and had two games now where he's been quite impactful in two road games, first game of the season in Cleveland and this past weekend down in Atlanta. What what do you make of A.J. Brown, kind of the emergence here in the first month of the year? I'm, I can't say I'm too surprised just because I happened to see him really emerge as a talented player for so long at Ole Miss. But the one thing I will say is when he was at Ole Miss, 
I never really thought of him as a deep threat. That was more of DK Metcalf's role on the team. AJ was more of the go over the middle player, be the slot guy, rack up 100 catches a year. So seeing the Titans use him kind of as the field stretcher has been impressive for me because he was, I mean, the knock on him in the pre-draft process was he didn't have the top flight speed. I mean, you saw him outrun the entire Falcon secondary uh, on that first touchdown of his the other day. The second touchdown was more of what I was used to, of him just bodying up a corner and being more physical and being the talent he is. But his emergence as a deep threat, I mean, you guys have followed the Titans as long as I have. You know they haven't had a deep threat maybe since they've moved to Nashville. So if A.J. Brown can be that guy, that'd be huge. Yeah, I was going to say the thing that's really popped out at me is, you're right, that second touchdown, that's kind of what we – we're expecting, but it's been the yards after catch, right? I mean, he's had yeah. some really big plays where, you know, it's the yards after catch that got everybody's attention. Yeah, and he had the ability to stretch the field. He had the ability to go after the catch when he was in Oxford, but it was more because he was going through people. He wasn't avoiding contact, and he still isn't. He's not shy, but the way he's been able to, I, I think back to that first catch of his against the Browns where – he kind of turned on the Jets and ran through the entire secondary and made a lot of people miss until he ran out of room to his left. I, I, I think that's really impressive uh, and really indicative of how he's been able to grow, how he's been able to adjust, and, and maybe the way the Titans can use him off of Corey Davis and use him off of Delaney Walker to get him into space a little more than kind of similarly to how they did it at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf and Dawson Knox being able to create space for him. 6.30 kickoff down in Oxford. This is a critical game for both programs. So let, let's start yeah. with a critical position. We know in football, the guy that's under center, um, who, who's who's going to be out there on Saturday night for Ole Miss? The, the best bet is both. Oh, okay. Uh, so Ole Miss has made it pretty clear in the last two weeks that they are comfortable using a two-quarterback system. And if there's anything that people might remember about Rich Rodriguez from his days at West Virginia, Michigan, and Arizona, is that he's never been afraid to use a two-quarterback system. He uh, even used two quarterbacks when Pat White was at West Virginia, and Pat White was one of the most productive college quarterbacks ever. So if Matt Corral is healthy, which I got to see him at practice a little bit yesterday, he looks like he is back to full range of motion. The question is, can he throw and I think that I haven't seen him throw yet but I do think he should be ready by Saturday I expect him to probably be the predominance and that's a scary thing to say when I haven't seen him throw but I do think that John Rice Plumley did enough last week against Alabama to justify having a couple of packages and whether that's a 50-50 split or giving him two drives early as a running quarterback I do think we're going to see both of them a lot of that hinges on whether or not Corral truly is healthy with bruised ribs. You kind of just have to wait and see. There's no way of knowing if he's going to be able to throw and breathe and do all of the things that a quarterback needs to do in the pocket. But they're going to put rib protectors on him, and I would be kind of surprised if he didn't play. What did you take? What was your biggest takeaway, Nick, from their performance against Alabama? I, I, I have to think that they were not demoralized at all. They got carved up like a lot of people in some ways, but they had great moments in that game. They they 
they had some times where they had to walk off the field going, hey, we look pretty good against the best there is. Yeah, my biggest takeaway is actually building off of that, which is Matt Luke and his staff refused to think that way. After the game, I asked, hey, you scored four touchdowns against Alabama, and all of them were thrown, caught, ran, or both by a true freshman. Two true freshman quarterbacks threw three touchdowns. A true freshman quarterback ran a touchdown. A true freshman running back caught a touchdown. And two true freshman receivers caught touchdowns. you got to be excited if you can do that against Alabama. I asked Matt Luke about it, and he says, we're, winning. we're trying to win for our seniors now. There's no excuse for losing this game. We, we came here to win, and we didn't do that. And they kind of reiterated that on Monday when we got to talk to him and Mike McIntyre and Ruth Rodriguez, the coordinators. They are... They are trying to get to that six-win plateau, and maybe it's possible if you look at the schedule. That involves upsetting a team like Texas A&M and Mississippi State and a couple of those, but they really are using the blueprint that they had against Alabama to think, hey, maybe Ole Miss isn't done yet. And, and I think to your point, if you if you look at some of the things they succeeded at against Alabama, whether it was they've been very stout against the run all year, and, and they kind of held Alabama without a good rushing attack until the second half when the game got away. You look at the way the offense was able to move the ball pretty consistently. You put up 31 points against Alabama, you're always going to be pleased. I think all of that kind of combines to being something this team can build forward from. You, you just sort of spelled it out. You look at the schedule, and Vanderbilt is exactly the, in the same spot where – Everybody who follows these teams realizes that this is a massive swing game for both. So uh, yeah. sometimes I think you lose sight of the other team's perspective on it. So from Vanderbilt's perspective, it's like this is one they've got to have realistically to get to where they want to go. But it's the very same thing for Ole Miss, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the math, Ole Miss had seven or eight winnable games on its schedule to start the season. They've already lost two of them because I don't think anybody saw Cal being a top 25 team when they uh, – got to Oxford and they lost to Memphis by five points week one in a game where Ole Miss really hadn't figured out its new offense yet. I think that if Ole Miss loses this game, the math becomes borderline impossible to get to a bowl because then you'll need to get your third win against New Mexico State and then four, five, and six have to be against, well, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, but then your other three games are Auburn, LSU, and I'm missing somebody, but you're starting Missouri, but you're starting to play really, really top tier teams. It's going to be tough. And I know Vanderbilt's in a similar boat, maybe being in the SEC East. They they get to avoid Auburn this year. They get to avoid uh, Alabama this year. But it's still a tough road for both of these teams. And and I I think either team, whichever team loses this game, they're going to have to really upset a lot of people. Uh, to get to six we're talking to nick suss from the clarion ledger about ole miss as they take on vanderbilt this weekend and with all of that said uh, of talking about trying to get bowl eligible and you have two new coordinators what is the temperature of matt luke's seat right now i don't think it's as hot as some people are anticipating uh for one because last year's recruiting class was pretty darn good as i mentioned when you had so many true freshmen scoring against alabama this year's recruiting class is shaping up to be pretty much as good as last year's was. And then there's the major issue that I think people in Mississippi are sick of hearing about, but maybe people in Nashville might not be super familiar with. Ole Miss has an interim chancellor 
and an interim athletic director. So it's really hard to fire somebody. Uh, there's, there's not anybody full-time in a position of power to approve of these decisions. So you'd have to be asking an interim athletic director or an interim chancellor to approve of a new head coaching hire, which I don't know if anyone who is looking to get that job, whether it's the chancellor job or the athletic director job, whoever comes in probably wants to pick their guy. So if, unless they can get those hires done by the Egg Bowl the last weekend in November, uh, I don't necessarily see the timing working out. So, so that might favor Luke as well. But also, when you're on probation for two years, this is your first year off probation, it would be kind of doing him dirty that he took this head coaching job, steadied the ship through what could have you know, tanked some programs and kept them around that 5-6 win plateau while they were on probation to, to cash out in year one off probation might not be a great look for the university. It's going to be an interesting game Saturday night. Critical game for both teams, but only one's going to emerge as the winner, and uh, who knows what the discussion piece will be on the, the team that loses. Nick, thanks for the visit as always. We'll talk to you down the road. I'm happy to talk, y'all. All right, that is Nick Suss, Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger. That'll do it for hour number two. We'll kick off the third hour with Tim Hasselbeck, our weekly chat with him. It's coming up next on ESPN 1025 The Game.